The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Atlantic Files, the number one podcast and the number one division in the NBA, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. This week, we swap out Mike and Dennis, joined by your host, Alex Fishbein. And as I said, Mike Bastardamus is on the show. What's going on, man? What's good? It's uh, good to be back. Uh, healthy, but after a, ba- a bout with COVID, um, we're all good to go, so... Uh, sorry, I couldn't make it last week, but I would have been coughing up a storm and my throat was killing me, so I would never have made it through an hour. Oh, completely understandable. I definitely get it. Dennis and I were going back and forth whether uh, we were supposed to keep it classified or not that you got COVID, but <laughs> no, it's okay. there's no HIPAA laws when it comes to me. <laughs> I was like, well, neither one of us are a doctor, so. <laughs> <laughs> Even though Dennis likes to play one sometimes. I'm going to send a lawsuit to Dennis's house now. <laughs> um, all right. So there's been a good bit that's happened in the last week. I actually want to start with something non-Atlantic division because it was big. It's been like 900 some days since he's played. Clay Thompson finally back and healthy on the floor the man even got a poster dunk in there, a couple threes in there. I think he finished with like 17 points or something like that. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. With Clay back and with how, I mean, he still looked pretty good for not playing for 900 some days. Uh, Golden State just looks really, really dangerous. I mean, it's not that hard to look good. All you got to do is spot up in the corner and shoot the three. I mean, I do that in 2K all the time on in the in the rec center. You know, I just sit there. I sit there with my my stretch big and spot up for threes. But no, I mean, it's good to see Clay back. I always like Clay. Uh, the Splash Brothers are always exciting. Even now that they have Jordan Poole in there, you know, just even more dynamic in that backcourt. Um, it's a good. They're a good team. It's a good situation. Like golden state was like all the way up here at the, at the pinnacle of the sport winning three out of four years. And then they had the injuries. And everyone thought, all right, this is the end, you know, beginning of the end, but Curry got healthy. Clay's healthy. Now Draymond's healthy. They've gotten some young pieces to help, you know, Wiggins is helping. They're back to the top of the league. And I mean, I, obviously they're not going to be there for more than a few more years, but it's exciting. Uh, Curry's one of the most fun players to watch in the league. The Warriors are a great team, a great system. So it's good to have the Warriors back. I don't know um, if they'll have the, you know, if they'll make it all the way. But right now they're one of the favorites. Uh, it's def- definitely in that West. It seems to be wide open this year. Oh, yeah. No, that's for sure. I mean, there's a lot of teams in the West that actually look pretty terrible. Uh the West, I think, this year is the weakest it's been in a while. But, um, yeah, this I mean, Golden State looks like they're already finals bound and that they don't even have Wiseman back yet. I mean, Wiseman is still working his way back, and they said his rehab is going well. And then just, I mean, four of your starting five being Steph, Clay, Wiggins, and Draymond, and then potentially Wiseman coming back, that's 
just a recipe for destroying teams, especially now Jordan Poole with all that experience. And now you even have guys like Gary Payton, the second who got some experience in there and is looking pretty good. You even have, um, uh, what's the one guy? Juan. Juan Toscano. Toscano. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. Juan Toscano even, I mean, gives you some great minutes in there as well as a backup. So they got a lot of good role players on top of the stars that they're going to have. And yeah, it's just fun having clay back. Clay's just fun to watch. And I mean, he has to be top five. He's such a troll though. He's such like a, I was going to say he has to be top five, like personality in the league. I think he's (laughs) trying to pull off like the Jackie moon look. Oh yeah, I know. And I love it. (laughs) And the fact he drives a boat to practice and stuff like that. (laughs) Clay's the man, but um, exactly. Uh, before we get to all the Atlantic stuff, let's stay in well, kind of in the West for a second. Memphis is going crazy since Thanksgiving without Jaw, with Jaw, another person instead of a whole team that's also doing surprisingly well. Kyle Kuzma, the other day, I think he got a 20 and 20 game, which I was very surprised to see Kyle Kuzma of all people getting 20 plus rebounds because that was never what he ever did before. Um, And over his, let's see over his last seven games, he has hold on every, his last seven games, the lowest scoring game he had was 21 points. It's been 29, 25, 22, 36, 24, 21, 27, also, lowest amount of rebounds was seven, had a 22 rebound in there, 14 rebound, and even threw in some pretty good assists in there. Had a six assist game in there at one point. Was on a triple-double watch for a little bit in some of those games. Kuzma's been looking good. So my question to you is, which one is more surprising, the Grizzlies being this good and being towards the top of the West right now, or Kuzma playing this well? Kuzma's not all that surprising to me. Um, not this, you know. Obviously, Kuzma is shown in in spurts that he's a decent player in the league. You know, yeah. Is he a is he a star? No, but he, you know, he's shown in his early time in LA that he can contribute and contribute at a decent level and be a guy that can score in bunches when given the opportunity. That's not nothing new. I mean, Kuzma is averaging 15 and 8 with three assists a game. That's There's a lot of players in the league that can average 15 and 8. I mean, Chris Chris Humphreys averaged like 12 and 8, right? You know, before <laughs> he got Kardashian. Um, he's a good player, but he's not going to carry this team. You know, maybe for a few games here and there, but he's not going to carry this team over the long haul. He's a good player who needs good players around him, but if he has a good opportunity and gets the usage, he's going to put up 15 points a night, 18 points a night. I'm not surprised by Kuzma. I'm surprised by the Grizzlies. Um, not that they're playing well, but that they're playing this well. Uh, the Grizzlies right. I got you. with Ja, with Jaron Jackson, like, yeah, those are your two star players. Obviously, Ja has been in and out of the lineup with injuries, but they've gotten a lot of production from – their secondary, you know, players. Uh, I was going to say stars, but their secondary players. You got Desmond Bain stepping up, Dylan Brooks stepping up. I think Dylan Brooks just got hurt, though. So more is going to fall on Bain. D'Anthony Melton stepping up. They they kind of um, 
Brandon Clark was someone for them who had a really good rookie year and then took a step back last year. Uh, he's a guy who can play that stretch four position, but he has a lot of bounce in his game. He's really, you know, rebounded well. Um, Kyle Anderson and Tyus Jones and Steven Adams like on the bench for them, or I guess Adams is starting for them. Um, those guys are steady veterans. Like they're not going to kill you. They're not going to take over games for you, but they're, mm-hmm. they're good veterans to have, you know, Jones, is a great backup point guard. Adams is a good uh, big man to eat up minutes and, you know, do, do his job inside. And, and, and Kyle Anderson, AKA slow-mo is, is, is it's just a, is just a veteran is what you expect in a veteran. So they're getting production where they need it. Um, the, you know, their stars are carrying, you know, Jaws carrying them, Jaron's carrying them, but they're getting good play all over the place. And it's not surprising. I mean, again, it's surprising that they're 28 and 14, but it's not surprising that they're one of the, you know, 10 best teams in the league right now. Right. If that makes yeah, sense. I mean, you know what I'm trying yeah. to say? Like, I expect them to be a good team. I didn't expect them to be, you know, whatever their record is in their last 20 games, 18 and two or something, you know, 17 right. and three. Like, right. I think since like Thanksgiving, they've <clears> only <throat> lost like four or five games, which is insane. But well, they've won one. They've won eight in a row, nine in a row, nine in a row. Something like that. Yeah. They were yeah. 14 and 11. Now they're 28 and 14. So they're 17 and three in their last 20 games. Yeah, that's just go, insane. And if you go before, if you go before that, they were they were nine and ten. They were nine and nine going into <laughs> Thanksgiving, and they're 28 and 14. So they're 19. So they've and lost five. five games since Thanksgiving. Yeah, they're 19 and five. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And I think that stretch when Ja was out, I think helped the team in the long run too because. We saw how good the team can be around Ja when he's not there. So we saw like all of like everyone else's skills utilized and how well they can play and how you can maximize the rest of the team. So then you plug Ja back in and now you have his supporting cast maximized and Ja going crazy. I mean the stuff that Jock can do is just otherworldly. His two-handed block against the backboard against the Lakers was I I didn't I genuinely did not know he could get that high. That was like everyone was comparing him to like prime Derrick Rose in terms of athleticism, but I don't think Derrick Rose could jump that high. No. Derrick Rose is just a stronger <laughs> build. Right. Like he was explosive and everything, but he was not blocking a shot like that. And that, like, it's just so fun to watch this team because I, a lot of them have, you know, come up together and really started from, you know, the draft and everything together. And they've came into the league at the same time. And it's just fun to see a young team come up and do well like that. And, it's just beyond crazy. And I, I agree with you that I think out of these two options, I would say Memphis is the more surprising one. Uh, I did expect them to still be a good team. Like you said, like I expected them to be in the playoff race, but I was thinking of them, you know, more around like the play in tournament of like an eight, seven seed, definitely not a top three, top four seed in the West. 
that I was never expecting that at all. And with Kyle Kuzma, it's funny because after you said that you can find a lot of guys putting up the same kind of stats that Kuzma puts up, it for some reason triggered something in my mind to compare compare him to Tobias Harris because they tech I mean they really play the same spot. They're like kind of they're a little too big and too slow to to play the three but they're also a little undersized to play the four. So they're kind of like that, that in between kind of thing. Um, And comparing their entire careers, it's actually super similar. Tobias is putting up 16 points, uh, six rebounds, two assists a game. And Kuzma is 15 points, six rebounds, two assists a game. So it's literally just a one point per game difference. And after that, the only difference is Tobias, his percentages are like about three to 2% higher in both field goal and three point. Um, But even like steals, blocks, turnovers, even fouls, like they're all almost identical. And then once you get to advanced stats, it gets a little murkier, but that was also because Tobias has just played a whole lot more and he's played on better teams and everything like that. Um, so yeah, you, you can find a lot of guys around Kuzma's level. Uh, and I expected him to at least grow a little bit more in Washington because he's not, you know, he doesn't have the spotlight on him in LA with LeBron and everybody like that. He's not expected to be some, you know, superhero any moment he touches the ball or anything. At this point, people even forgot about him in Washington until he finally, you know, started going off for seven games in a row. So, yeah, yeah, I I agree that Memphis is definitely the most surprising. Yeah, I mean, just I'm just looking at like, I've just been looking at stats while you're talking. Like, Montrez Harrell's averaging 14 and a half and seven. Rudy, I mean, uh, Bobby Portis is averaging 15 and nine. Like, there's plenty of guys around the league that are you can can get you maybe not 15 and eight exactly, but can get you 13 and eight or 14. Like, Franz Wagner's averaging 16 and five, but like Sadiq Bay, 15 and five. Like, yeah, he's having a good season. I'm not taking anything away from him, but it's not like a you know, it's not like a Miles Bridges who's averaging 19, seven, four. Like, you know, it's it's there's like it's, he's a jump off he's a he's a tear off right he's not like a most improved player of the year candidate but he is better than he was before yeah <laughs> yeah i got you um so that being said let's actually get into some <clears throat> atlantic stuff we talked about tobias harris he is now according to i think it was woge it was one of the reporters. It might have been Winhurst or something. Um, Tobias Harris is now being talked about and packaged in with some Ben Simmons trade offers from Daryl Morey. Uh, the last couple episodes I've been talking about Tobias Harris, and I've been saying that the Sixers aren't going to reach max like championship contender level or max potential level until you trade Tobias. Not only because he's not going to be the best fit without a really good distributing point guard, but also 
you're paying the man a max contract to give you the same amount of production as Kyle Kuzma. So it's funny that you say that. Um, cause I saw this, I just saw this tweet or while you're before and it said mm-hmm. NBA central Sixers looking to package Tobias Harris with Ben Simmons. And then there's a reply from Kyle Kuzma go, how the hell do you package $80 million? <laughs> I mean, that's true. <laughs> Which means to me, there's two people that they can use, that they can make a trade with if they're packaging those two guys together. Mm-hmm. John Wall in, in Houston and true. Damian Lillard slash CJ McCollum in 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 Portland. It's the only way you're going to get a deal done if you're packaging those two guys together with the, with that money. Third option, I mean, Russell Westbrook. Well, I was going to say it still could be Sacramento because Sacramento did say that Fox and Halliburton are now available in trade talks. Yeah, so but they don't make say, that kind of money. Well, Fox makes like $26 million a year over like five years. Yeah, now. you're still $50 million short. No, but then you throw in Barnes, who's making like twenty-seven million a year, and then you throw in Buddy Heald, who's making like twenty-three million a year. All right, now you're getting crazy. Well, I mean that money adds up. It does. But why would they <laughs> trade De'Aaron Fox? I I don't know. I mean, to be honest, right now Halliburton looks like the better the better of the two. Halliburton looks like the guy to build around as of this season. Last season, I would have said De'Aaron Fox by a mile, but that was also Halliburton's rookie year. But this year, I don't know. Fox had a really slow start to the year. Halliburton looked good. Halliburton looks like the more distributing type of point guard. But if you're trading for Ben Simmons, I feel like you almost would rather have Fox along with Ben Simmons than Halliburton. So I don't really know. I wouldn't break those two up, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, if they have a choice, they shouldn't. I don't know why they would even make those two available in trade talks because you probably have some picks and stuff like that that you can package to actually get somebody that's good enough. But Sacramento is always going to be Sacramento. So, I mean, the last time they were relevant was like, what, the late 90s? With Chris Weber and Peja Stojakovic and all them? <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, the one thing that I thought of immediately when they said they're starting to package Tobias Harris is it's definitely going to be like a three team or four team deal. Like when I thought package, I didn't necessarily think packaging both of them to one team. I was like, all right, there's going to be a lot of money. Not a lot of teams can, can absorb that kind of contract. The Damian Lillard thing did go through my head for a second, but Lillard is now like, they don't know what, what the hell's going on with his ab injury. Like they were even talking about, he could miss almost the rest of the season. So I don't know if that's just a thing where it's like, Hey, we're doing really bad right now. So you might as well just rest and we'll figure it out later. Or if it's really that serious. So, like, if you're Daryl Morey and you're trading both of those players for Damian Lillard and his ab injury might be more serious than you think and not even be able to play, that would be a recipe for disaster. 
Yeah, I agree. So it's, that's and that's the problem you have with that's the problem you have with trading in general right now. Like it's sure. not only like it's not only like the in guys who are hurt or dealing with injuries. It's also COVID. Like oh yeah, if you're the Nets, like right, if you're Brooklyn last year or two, whatever it was, and oh. they kind of made the trade when COVID was like not as bad as it was the last few weeks, right? Like they kind of made it during like a down swing of COVID, right? Right. You go, I'm let's trade three useful players and a boatload of picks for a guy who, if he comes in contact with the wrong person at the wrong time, can miss a playoff series. Right? And right. it's like, would you rather have James Harden? Or would you rather have no one? Or would you rather, you know, would you rather have James Harden or no one because James Harden's out? Or would you rather have three starters or two right. starters and a rotational guy? Like, that's the problem with this, like, especially these teams that are, like, in it. They're like, all right, well, we're going to have to give up X, Y, and Z. But what happens if we trade to this guy and he gets COVID and, and, you know, it's almost like having depth right now is more important than having stars. Because That's a good point. Because if, you know... All right, like for the Sixers, if Simmons is out, right, they still have mm-hmm. Tobias Harris, they still have Tyrese Maxey, they still have Joel Embiid, they still have, um, <clears throat> they still have like Drummond and you know, all these pieces, right? But if you have to trade Harris and Simmons and Corkmaz, for example, right, for Willard, and then Willard is either hurt, or, and you could say that with injuries too, but like if Willard gets COVID during the second round of the playoffs and misses three games you just traded all these pieces away for a guy that didn't help you when you needed him not not really his fault just the circumstances and now you're left empty-handed yeah so i think like a lot of teams of like i think that you're you're as as long as we're dealing with covid and stuff you're gonna see teams maybe steer away from these huge deals where they're packaging three four players two four three draft picks for one guy Unless right. it's a guy, you know, you're getting like a 26 year old, like cat, right? You're getting a superstar in the middle of his prime or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, I agree. The, the only thing that is kind of in the Sixers favor is say they're only trading Ben Simmons and they don't have to package other people. Well, Ben Simmons has been out this entire time. So like if the person they get in return gets COVID, it's like, all right, it's a wipe because we already didn't have him in the first place. Yeah. But yeah, if you pack start packaging Tobias Harris, there was a bunch of talks of packaging Simmons and Maxi. If you package Simmons and Maxi, and then whoever you get in return gets COVID, gets hurt, whatever, then yeah, you don't have a point guard. Like even right now in the Sixers game last night against Houston, they didn't have a single. They they almost didn't have a single guard left because they were all either out with COVID or injured. And Korkmaz was running the point for like two of the four quarters. Now they still ended up winning because it's Houston, but that's not going to do anything in the playoffs. If you have to have a mix of like Embiid, Korkmaz and Tobias Harris running point guard. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of risk, especially in this COVID era that comes with dealing a lot of pieces and 
that's why I think it keeps contributing and keeps leading back to like a three or four team deal so that all of these teams, if they're giving up multiple players are getting multiple players in return. And if there's anyone who's only getting one player in return or like one player in picks, it's going to be the teams that already don't think that they're even contending for the playoffs. Like with Sacramento, I mean, yeah, you could contend for like a play in tournament spot at like the nine ten spot. But in the end, like in a week West, you're still not really up in the playoffs that much. At that point, you might as well get that, get a better player in a trade and then get a better pick and start from there. So I think that it's, it, it definitely is going to be just a little more, the, the, Playoff contending and championship contending teams are going to be way more careful. And the non-contending teams are just going to be like, screw it. We'll do whatever. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, it's it just, I don't know what's, I, I don't know what will happen with Simmons and if these teams are going to ever make a deal. Um, right. But I yeah. think it'll end up being Houston. I, I could see it. I mean, there's a lot of money in John Wall with his contract. The only thing is, I don't know if Maury would want to take on another ginormous contract. So, I don't know. We'll see with that. But just real quick, the Sixers without Simmons, with Tobias playing a very up-and-down kind of game. Joel Embiid now has seven straight 30-plus point games. The Sixers are 7-0 in those, 7-0 and in those games. And there's been a lot of talk that getting COVID almost helped Joel Embiid because it helped his knee recover after banging knees with Valanchunas in the beginning of the season. He looked like he was laboring a lot after that little incident with Valanchunas. And then being out with COVID, he was out for like a good like two to three weeks. Um, and ever since he's been back, he's been amazing and dominant. So, I mean, he's, I definitely think he's like in the top four at the very least for MVP considerations, especially with the team not having Simmons and Tobias being out for an extended period of time and how well that Joel Embiid has been playing. The thing that keeps killing me is I, knowing the Sixers and being a Sixers fan for such a long time, I know they're going to just ride out his prime with not getting him anybody to help him get to a championship other than that one time with Butler and I mean, Tobias at the time and getting that whole team. I feel like that's never going to happen again. And at some point Embiid's just going to ask for a trade. Well, they're going to have to, they're going to have to trade. (laughs) They're going to have to trade him or Simmons and, Unfortunately, uh, you know, Simmons is the hard one to deal with right now. But it's a shame because Ben Simmons is going to be the anchor to Joel Embiid's career. Yeah, especially throughout his prime right now. And he's easily a top four, top three player in the NBA. Like, especially when he's playing right like this stretch of seven games it, it's 
If I was Embiid, I would be pissed. <laughs> but somehow Embiid is is taking this all in stride. And on top of it, Embiid's become a better leader. He's like calling out his guys in like press game, post game press conferences. And they're stepping up the moment he does that. And he's actually holding himself and his teammates accountable and really taking it in like the whole thing in stride and, and becoming better every step of the way. Like, if I was a GM, I'd be trying to get everything possible to get something around him because you just don't have that kind of thing, like, ever, other than, like, you know, five guys a generation. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far to say Embiid's uh, generational, but uh... if if he has this. If he stays at this level for like three more seasons, I would put him up there, especially as a center. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know about that. He's just, he's not offensively. He is. He doesn't bring it. I don't feel like he brings the defense as, as well as he should. He was all defense. Yeah, but sometimes that's more like a... You know, he's only averaging a block and a half a game. I mean, this year he hasn't been bringing the defense as much because I think he he is trying to be smarter about, like, not contesting too many things to get hurt. Yeah. But, I mean, in the end... He's not better than Cat. He's way better than Cat. No. Cat. Cat's made the playoffs once. Uh, let's not. Let's not. You know, the man <laughs> plays in Minnesota. Let's remember that. Yeah, but Embiid's first time in the playoffs. Minnesota's twenty like and forty. Him, They're coming. Simmons and JJ Redick. They're coming. <laughs> Minnesota's coming. Cat's got twenty five, mean... nine. Four assists, blah, you know. Just, just wait, just wait. Cat's coming. I, I no disrespect to Cat. He's a great player, but Embiid's definitely better. Embiid's 27, 10 rebounds, four assists, one point one steals, and one point four blocks a game. All right, he may have Cat beat on every statistical category, but you know, <laughs> let's just let's chill, chill with that. <laughs> I can't believe Cat's been in the league for seven years already. I know. It doesn't seem like he's been here this long. He seems like he's still super young, too. Isn't he only like 26, 27? Yeah, he's 20. He just turned 26. Yeah, that's insane. Um, so moving on, uh, just to keep up the trade talk just a little bit, real quick. The Atlanta Hawks are trying to move your boy. Not your my man. boy anymore. I traded him. But he's still your boy because you always defend him when I always say he's gone. No, he's not my boy anymore. They're moving on from John Collins. It's the Onyeka Agonkwu show now. <laughs> so you're moving on too. You don't even care about John Collins anymore. No, I don't care about John Collins anymore. The thing with John Collins is John Collins is in the perfect situation for himself with Trey Young. John Collins oh, yeah. needs uh, – John, John Collins is like Amari Stoudemire, right? Mm -hmm. He needs a guy to create for him. 
he's a pick and pop guy or a pick and roll guy with a little bit of pop. He's, he can jump out of the gym, but he can't create for himself. Like he's not a guy like Julius Randle. You can give him the ball on a mice. So like how maybe once a game he does it, but like he he needs to develop that mid range jumper, like that triple threat play where he can face up and hit a jumper or he could blow by you or he can drive and kick. He doesn't have that. He's a transition scorer, a rim runner. Yeah, he could probably, probably, he probably could, you know, hit a stationary three, you know, I'd say probably he he can hit a stationary three, but it's not his game. And, you know, uh, he, he, he's in a perfect situation with Trey young, but clearly it's not working for them. Uh, they got plenty of pieces. I mean, they got a lot of pieces they could trade. Um, oh yeah, I'm just looking up John I mean, Collins' can, stat right now. I mean, he's they shooting. Can, they can go ahead. He's shooting 42 percent from the three line. I mean, I don't think he attempts that many. So I'm trying to look at hey, <laughs> 103 threes, 44 for 103. I didn't know he was that good of a shooter. But it's but again it's it's but more like if I had to you know I don't have it in front of me and if I had to assume those are like wide open kick kick out looks not like and usually corner pin down screens you know yeah like he's not getting exactly. himself open it's more like oh I'm drifting to the corner and he kicks it out right like it's not like like Cat and Embiid like they take off the dribble threes too as centers like they're not John Collins isn't doing that. Yeah. And let's just be real. John Collins is DeAndre Jordan with a little bit better of a jump shot. I don't know. If That's it. Not to, don't disrespect John Collins like that. That's all he is. Because he's Blake Griffin just... without ball handling. But I would take Blake Griffin's jump shot over him. Because Blake Griffin can shoot from multiple different ways. He can shoot no, off the dribble. Blake he can Griffin shoot off the like screen. this year. Nah. This he's, year, yeah, because he's way. He's past like a, he's prime, a young Blake. He's the young Blake Griffin. Blake. He's a young Blake Griffin. That's what he is. I'm talking prime Blake. I know. I'm saying he, he's like a young Blake Griffin. That's what he is. He's but not even, prime Griffin. But even he's not young, prime, even prime, young he's not, Blake. He's not prime. I can't even say it. He's not prime Blake. Where, but he's he's young Blake. Twenty eight. Few assists. That's what he is. But I would still take young Blake way before John Collins. And I just think. Go look at Blake's last all-star season in LA. That's what John Collins is. 22 a game, seven and a half rebounds, five assists, 40% from three, 73% from the line. He's not getting as many looks, but that's pretty much the same player. Is John Collins getting assists like that? I'm assuming he is, but he probably isn't. Because Blake Griffin... Straight past everything. Honestly, Blake Griffin's playmaking ability, especially in his prime, was pretty... John Collins ain't getting assists like that. He's only getting two assists, but... So... I'm just saying the his offensive ability is super limited. It's very limited to the point where he doesn't have a move. He's just athletic. He doesn't have anything in the post where he goes down to and he's unstoppable. He doesn't have a three that, you know, is 
deadly from somewhere that it makes teams game plan for it. He is just a an in-between DeAndre Blake kind of thing. He's Amari so, Stoudemire. Yeah, I, I guess so. Amari, um, Amari, look at Amari Stoudemire. I mean, Amari Stoudemire had some big years, but look right. at Amari Stoudemire. If you take out like his – all right, take out his two like monster years. Why can't I sort this? Or take out his three monster years. 21, oh. eight, two assists. That's what he is. He's he's Amari. I would give you that. He's Amari. He's Amari. If you take out Amari's three best, like he's like ninety percent of Amari. Okay, a poor man's Amari. He's not even a poor man's Amari. He's like a Black Friday version of Amari. (laughs) A middle class Amari. (laughs) Middle class Amari. (laughs) Okay, I I could give you that. I could give you that. He's like a Um, he's like a you know uh, a rewards program Amari. Like you get ten percent <laughs> off if you if you subscribe. He's a subscriber, Amari. <laughs> okay, I, I could give you that one. I, that one, that's fair. Um, so real quick, let's uh, we're, we're getting to the end, so let's wrap this up with something that I just wanted to touch on. Julius Randall has fallen a long way. I don't know about necessarily stat wise. I didn't look at the stat comparison to last year, but. He's fallen a very long way from the graces of Knicks fans, from the graces of NBA fans in general. And he just seems very like like last year, Julius Randle seemed like he had a mission. He was going to prove a lot of people wrong. He was having fun doing it. He was just, you know, having the time of his life this year. He seems like he hates his life. He seems like he hates being on the Knicks. He's having these things with the fans where he's telling them to to shut up and everything like that. And it's just all going downhill to the point where I forget if it was just the past game or the game before he finished with like two points, one of seven shooting, like three turnovers and had like a frustration foul and just went to the bench himself without anybody even coming in for it. Like, is do you think they're going to trade him now? But like, if you trade him now, he's at the lowest of his value. Well, they just signed no big deal, so they're not going to trade him um, unless they're getting a star, right? Um, I mean, he, is, he like kind of he kind of like told the fans to like go f themselves. Like he yeah. he is he is he's they're not playing well. He's not playing well, and he's not dealing with the criticism of not playing well. Um, he kind of, and it, it, and I kind of saw that out of him when I watched him in college, like in college, he was like that five-star recruit who could do nothing wrong. Right. Who got, um, coddled by, you know, John Calipari. He had one move it was a spin move. And like, if he didn't get fouled, he would complain. It was like, dude, this guy gets, if something goes wrong, this guy gets like rattled. And that's what you're seeing now. Like I saw that when he was 18 years old, and now he's 26 years old doing the same stuff. Um, he's just got to take a deep breath and and gather himself and refocus, and he'll be fine. But like that's what happens when you play in New York and you don't perform. True, 
And I mean, like Tobias Harris even was going through it with the Sixers fans. We talked about it last week where the Sixers fans were all even saying, you know, like they booed Tobias Harris for blowing a layup and only having like six points against Houston and stuff like that. And Tobias, after making a shot, told them to not clap and stuff like that. But then Tobias came back and had like a 25 point game the next game. And he's, you know, he's just putting his head down and he's scoring. And from what I always hear from like the national media and everything is that Philly fans are the worst. So if he, if Tobias Harris can do it with Philly fans getting in his face and booing him, Julius Randle has no excuse. On top of that, the Knicks fans would go to war for that guy up until now. Like, He had them behind him so hard that all he had to do was continue to just like, I'm not even saying continue having the greatest season of your career, but to even just put forth the effort. Like there was multiple videos out there that showed that he just gave up on a ton of plays. Didn't even play defense. Didn't even get back on offense. If there was a transition play, like he just looks like uninterested and now he's hearing about it and he's acting like, oh, why are you getting mad at me? It's like, uh, have you watched yourself play at all? <laughs> yeah. well, welcome to New York. That's all I could say. Exactly. And the Knicks start to crumble yet again. <laughs> but that is it for us. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of The Atlantic Files, the number one podcast and the number one division in the NBA. Make sure you check out the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. We are everywhere you get your podcasts. Please rate and subscribe. It helps us out greatly. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, please drop a like and subscribe below. We're uploading every week, a lot of times, multiple videos, clips from every episode, episodes, everything. So thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will catch you guys next week. Peace.